Good morning, everybody. Aloha. Welcome to Mission Church. I had frogs for dinner last night and one still stuck in my throat. <laughs> it's so good to see all of you here. And what a joy uh, to come into the house of the Lord today. For those of you who are guests with us today, I want to welcome you, especially if um, you came from Point Loma's homecoming weekend. It was my, believe it or not, it was my 30th reunion this week. And uh, I know, I know. I graduated when I was 12. But, um, and, uh, and I just wanted to just, um, uh, just welcome the potters especially. They're, they're our own, um, David and Sylvia. And uh, they received um, a very prestigious award, um, Distinguished Service Alumni, and uh, their service in, in Papua New Guinea. And thank you for your service to the kingdom of God. And thank you for being here today. I just want to say thank you. Um, children, thank you. I didn't forget. It's in my notes right here. Children, you are dismissed to go. Barbie's just waiting to go. Have a great time, kids. It, Jeff, we said children. Oh, that's right. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I always like to jab at Jeff a little bit. He does that a good job to me. Well, boy, I tell you what, it feels like a long time since I've been able to be up here and preach God's word. Um, to, and I'm so grateful that in our church we have such amazing people that can step into the pulpit. Two weeks ago, um, Pastor Bob Smith, he usually sits right there, I see him right there. Pastor Bob brought a message about Jesus the Lord of the Sabbath. And it was amazing. If you were here, you know. But Pastor Bob, can I ask you, can you please just tone it down a little bit? When you preach messages like that, everybody's expectation is up here. And I'm like, oh man, you know. No, thank you so much for that. Last week, Pastor Robert and Holly Smith, um, uh, Churchman preached. And, um, and they're now beginning um, their journey to lead Living um, Lakeside Community Church, Lakeside Church of the Nazarene, and um, and would you join me in praying for them? This is so exciting for Mission Church to be sending people out and starting and and helping new works like that. So please, please, please join me in praying for Robert and Holly as uh, they begin their ministry next Sunday, where they will be installed as Lakeside uh, Church of the Nazarene. Before I start my sermon, i just like to quickly just pound out uh, three things. First, uh, Liz talked about Dish.com. It's our new discipleship ministry that we have going on Wednesday nights. If you've not signed up yet, there's still plenty of room. Just let us know. You can go online um, on our website. I think the link is still there. You can still plug in. All it is is getting a reservation for dinner, and we'll plug you into a group. And we have nine more weeks ahead of us of great learning and growing together. So please, and we're off to a great start. And then this Wednesday, we're going to um, be doing Ash Wednesday right in here. So uh, please come and join us. If you didn't sign up for Dish.com, just come to the Ash Wednesday service also. We'll have dinner at 5.30, and then the service will be at 6.30. That's the first thing. The second thing is that, um, that we have Lent devotionals outside and... and Pastor Paul talked about that a little bit. The people that wrote it were the staff, our retired elders in the church, as well as our, district, our licensed ministers. And they did such a great job. Please, please, please join us on this Lenten journey 
And um, the third and the last thing is that we talked about in the announcements, but I want to reiterate to you is that we have a blood drive coming next Sunday. And um, the reason this is important to me is because my father um, needed blood uh, in Hawaii when I was living there. And one Sunday morning, I, I got done preaching in church, and um, my brother sent me a text message, and he said, Dad's in the ER. And um, so I went to go visit him, and my dad had some internal bleeding, and, and uh, he needed five pints of blood. And I was so grateful for the people who gave generously so that people that you know and you love, that I know and love, could live. And so every chance that we get, we have a regular schedule where we donate blood here at Mission Church. You can go, uh, I believe, online at our website. But if you would like to donate, please see Beth outside in our information desk. Because one day, one day, either you or someone you love is going to need blood. And you'll be so grateful that someone gave. And you could be that someone to another person. I'm, I've got the first... Uh, I've got the first tea time that morning at 8 o'clock. <laughs> and um, if you'd like to sign up, please, please, please come and join me, okay? If you have your Bibles, please bring it out now. And I'd, I'm, I'm just so excited to bring you today's sermon. We are going to continue in our sermon series called Journeying with Jesus. And, um, and we're taking this opportunity to look at the significant moments and the teachings that Jesus gave. Because I sincerely believe, and I believe that you do too, that the more we know Jesus, the more we, the more we know about Him, the more we know Him intimately and personally, the deeper the relationship we can have with Him. And that's, that's the forming of our Christology. So we began this sermon series really in December when we began Lent. Uh, I'm sorry, when we began Advent. And, uh, and we preached through Advent using Christology as the lens by which we get to see Christmas. And then from that, I said, why stop there? Let's just go from, let's just go from the manger to the cross from Advent to Easter, and we're going to just journey with Jesus. And so that's what we are doing, and uh, I'm so excited. Today, we're going to look at um, parables of Jesus. And, um, and what I'd like to do today is, just like when we preached on the Sermon on the Mount, I gave you context so that when you read the Sermon on the Mount, you could understand it better. I want to give you context to... The, the parables that Jesus gave and taught. And then I'm going to preach on probably the most familiar parable of Jesus, and that's in Luke chapter 15, um, the three parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. And, um, and, and I know you've heard so many sermons on these passages before. I pray today that God will give us a fresh new vision, something new maybe that you have not considered that we can take in and, and, uh, and, and hear as we read, we study, we, apply, uh, we memorize and we apply scripture into our lives. Okay, you guys ready for this? Because I'm so excited to preach this message. Uh, so parables, what are parables, right? I'll give you some context. Parables are stories, right? Jesus tells these amazing stories. They, they illustrate 
some moral or spiritual lesson. And that's why Jesus tells these parables in the Bible. Because he wants to teach us through these stories, these, these moral, spiritual lessons. And he uses some ordinary circumstances and situations that we're all familiar with, right? And, and, and we can relate to the story easily. But then he drops the bomb. This moral lesson that he gives is very, very challenging to those who hear it, especially to the targeted audience of who Jesus is telling the parable to, right? So, the use of story is so important for us to understand about parables. Because when you hear a story, you can easily remember that story, right? Stories are easily remembered. And in Jesus' day, they didn't have smartphones and they didn't have social media where they could post things, right? And when you post something, it's always there, so you never forget it, right? That's, that's part of the beauty of, of having Facebook. You can put things on your wall. I know I date myself when I say Facebook. <laughs> but it's, it's for all the people on this side, so you know. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, so, we, they didn't have any social media. So, teaching was through the oral tradition, right? They taught just with words. And so, by, by telling these stories, people could remember them and retell these stories. And so um, parables made it easy to retell stories. Another really cool thing about these parables are that these parables are filled with spiritual metaphors. And what's beautiful about these parables is this, that, um, that the more mature we grow in our faith, the more we get deeper in our faith, the deeper meanings that come out of the parables come to life for those that grow in their faith. And, and so that's one of the really cool things about these parables. And I want you to know that Jesus, he didn't tell parables to make things clearer. You guys understand that? These stories, these parables that Jesus told, he didn't tell them so we go, oh, I understand that, that, that's not the case at all for the parables. Rather, these parables were told to invoke your imagination and invite you to see what God is doing through a new perspective. Okay? My prayer is that's what's going to happen today with this very familiar passage in Luke 15 that we're also hopefully familiar with. So, give you... Uh, some examples of some parables. Where I'm not going to preach on this, but I just want to give you some examples of what, what this new perspective could look like. Right? A lot of Jesus' parables were about the kingdom of heaven. And when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, he tells these parables, and he says these words, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he goes and tells the parable. And the reason why these, these parables are important for us in seeing a new perspective is because what Jesus was trying to do in his day was to teach people the perspective of God, what, the, what his kingdom is like. And so Jesus came to usher in a brand new kingdom of righteousness, of grace and holiness. But all the people, the Jews that Jesus was talking to and telling these stories about, their understanding of the kingdom of heaven was to be liberated from the Roman rule, right? All they thought about was, we're done with the Romans and how they have their heavy hand on us. 
We don't like that anymore. And when the kingdom of heaven comes, we're going to be free. And that's their thought. But obviously, that's not at all what Jesus was talking about when he talked about the kingdom of heaven. And so what Jesus did was he told parables. And in these parables, he told stories of what the kingdom of heaven is like to try and change the perspective of these people who he loved and was trying to help so much to, to understand the, the new meaning of what this kingdom of heaven is like. So let me ask you this question. Have you ever tried to change someone's mind? Right? You try to change someone's mind. They, they believe one thing and you're trying to tell them something else. Right? Isn't it hard? It's hard to change someone's mind. You can't just say, hey, you need to change your mind. Right? You say that to someone... They go, no, you need to change your mind. You get into an argument. Because no one wins when you just force people and you tell them what to do. Because I have found that when you tell somebody what to do, you know what their response is? Hey, man, don't tell me what to do, right? Because that's what I think when people tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to do. Nobody likes being told what to do. But when I paint a picture and I show you and I tell you a story of what could be, that's different from what you see. Hmm. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling you what could be. And then maybe there's a hope that you come to the understanding. You go, oh, hmm. I, I see that. And then the person who you're trying to convince makes their own decision to change their lives. And that's the power of story. Because Nobody likes being told what to do. And so people can change their minds when you present them the opportunity in a really beautiful way. So that's some context to parables and why Jesus told them. But I'm going to just take it one step deeper. And I'm going to tell you what Jesus said about why he told parables, right? So in Matthew chapter 13, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to read most of it for you. What I want you to do is... Picture yourself in the scene, okay? There's a scene that's, that unfolds. And if you want, you can close your eyes. And then as I read this passage, picture yourself following Jesus in this scene, okay? So Matthew 13, here's what it says. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. And such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat, at it, sat in it while all of the people stood on the shore. So picture yourself on the shore while Jesus is in the boat. You guys there? Are you with me? Are you with me? Yeah. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, you're sitting on the shore. You see Jesus on the boat. And here's what happens. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering seed, some fell along the path and birds came up and ate it. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times that was sown. And he says this at the end. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Doesn't that make everything clear? <laughs> You're on the shore. You're going, what? He's a great teacher, but what, 
what is he saying, right? I mean, that's, that's if I, when I was reading this, I pictured myself on the shore. And I was listening to the story, and I'm like, what is he saying? Not, not only do we know that this, what he just taught, was challenging, the reason we know it is because the disciples responded to it. And in verse 10, the disciples come to Jesus, and the disciples came to him and asked, um, Teacher, why, why do you speak to people in parables? Right? That's what it says in verse 10. Why do you, you should just go and tell them what you want them to know, right? Why do you speak to people in parables? Now, Jesus then responds and tells his disciples exactly why he teaches in parables. Listen to Jesus' answer in verses 11 through 13. He says, Because the knowledge of the secret of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. And right here, Jesus quotes from Isaiah chapter 6. And this is what Jesus says. Though seeing, they do not see. And though hearing, they do not understand. Okay? So, this is a context now. Jesus quotes Isaiah chapter 6. And if you're familiar with Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah chapter 6 is that beautiful passage of Scripture where Isaiah has this dream. And he's, in front of, he's right standing in front of the Lord. And that, that whole thing where he says, Whoa, whoa am I? You know, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among people with unclean lips. And God touches his lips and makes him clean. And then God says, who will go and speak for me? And Isaiah responds, here am I, Lord, send me. And when Isaiah says, here am I, Lord, send me, God's response to Isaiah is what Jesus quoted right here. God's response to Isaiah says, Go and tell this people, be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever see- seeing, but never perceiving. And so what Jesus does is he quotes from Isaiah, this very insightful understanding. And that is this, that Jesus knew the rebellious hearts of those whom he was speaking to. Right? He knew them. Just like the people of Isaiah's day. Those Jews that, that Isaiah went to go and, and bring God's word to, they didn't recognize their evil ways. They did not repent of their sins. And rather, they became increasingly hardened in their heart against God. Which is exactly what happened in Jesus' day when he came to preach the good news to his own people. And thus, though they, see, though they were seeing, they do not see. And through hearing, they do not understand. So Jesus was making that parallel. Parables then, as you tell them, will speak to people loudly whose hearts are turned toward God and are open to what God has to say. And their, their ears are attentive to listen. But to those who are rebellious and hardened in their heart to Jesus... Nothing Jesus said was going to lead them into the kingdom of God. They weren't interested in listening to the truth, and the message was hidden from them. Okay? So that's the context we get right here. Now, I give you homework. 
when um, I preached on the Sermon on the Mount. So I'll give you some homework this week. Go read a few of the parables that Jesus, uh, Jesus preached. And, and you can even look at the ones that we're going to look at today. And you know what you're going to find when you read the parables of Jesus? You're going to find that Jesus' parables were very unpopular because they challenged people's ways in which they didn't want to change. When Jesus told a parable to someone, it was challenging for them to listen to it because when he told the story, it was in direct response to what someone was thinking or saying and, and, and Jesus called them, called them on it. And now, here we get to Luke chapter 15. This is where we take a parable, looking at all of the, the context that we have. And I get to share this beautiful story with you. All right? Before we begin Luke 15, though, I need to tell you something about Luke 15. And you need to understand it. Because if you don't understand this one thing that I tell you, when you read Luke chapter 15, you can put your own, you can put your own storyline and your own narrative in it, but it will not fit the context to which Jesus is teaching this. All right? Check this out. If you have your Bibles open, look at verses 1 and 2 in Luke chapter 15. What Jesus does here in Luke chapter 15 is he gives a rebuke to the Pharisees. Everybody say the word rebuke. Good. You're with me. This is a rebuke to the Pharisees, right? Because most of the time when we hear these passages preached, this understanding is not in what we're preaching on. I have preached from Luke 15 many times. Many times, hundreds of times maybe, who knows, over the 25 years of ministry that I have had. But as I was preparing the sermon this week, this new insight came to me and I was like, wow. And when you look through the lens of these parables being a rebuke, you see something in here that is so different and unexpectedly you find deep, deep grace where you never saw it before. We'll get to that in just a moment. This is why I'm so excited to share this message with you. Luke chapter 15, verse 1 and 2. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he even eats with them. Mm. Right? The Pharisees, uh, they, they, they see Jesus eating with tax collectors and sinners and they're like, ah, uh, can't believe he's doing that. And they're muttering in low tones. And the, these three parables now are directly in response to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and their misguided and faulty view of sinners. Okay? Jesus tells these parables so that he can, he can correct the thinking of these Pharisees and teachers of the law. Jesus could have easily said, hey, that's wrong. Don't think that way. <laughs> then the Pharisees would say, don't tell me what to do. Because <laughs> that's what we do, right? 
So instead, Jesus tells them these stories to change the way they think. And the the three parables that we see here are to correct the misguided and faulty view of how the Pharisees saw these sinners. And there's a progression as you read these parables of the value of what was lost. And Jesus does these things in parables to bring a new understanding for the value of lost people to these Pharisees. And Jesus gives a message then again, like I said, of deep, deep grace that's totally unexpected. Oh. So, here's the value for the lost. In the parable of the lost sheep, the first one that comes up, you know the story. If not, I'll paraphrase it for you. There's a shepherd, and he has a hundred sheep, and he's with 99 of them, and one goes and wanders off on its own. And the Bible tells us that that shepherd leaves the 99 to go after the one, and he searches and searches, and when he finds the one, he puts it on his shoulders, he comes home, and here's the rebuke. You guys ready for the rebuke? In verse uh, 7 of Luke 15, he says this rebuke, and I'm sure he's looking right at the Pharisees that were muttering, and he says these words, I tell you that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Picture, your, picture, the, picture a Pharisee listening to that, right? Imagine how the Pharisees felt when Jesus shares this rebuke with them. But Jesus is not done. He's not done, right? He tells a second parable. And in this second parable, there's a woman who has ten silver coins, right? And, uh, and then she loses one of them. And, and you know the parable? She, she has to work hard to find that one lost coin. What does the Bible say? She lights a lamp. And then she sweeps her house clean, searching and finding until she finds and she, she's searching. She, search, she finds the lost coin and she rejoices. And then here's the second rebuke to the Pharisees. The second rebuke there in verse 10 where he says, in the same way I tell you, he's looking straight at the Pharisees. I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And as Pharisees, they're listening to this, knowing that they just muttered, oh, look at, he's eating with sinners and tax collectors. And then the crown jewel, right? The third parable. This third parable called the prodigal son. You guys know what the word prodigal means? It means wasteful, right? The wasteful son. All that you have, you waste. The prodigal son. We also call this the lost son. Both of these fit beautifully. And this parable is where you find this deep, deep grace. Unexpectedly, too. One of Jesus' most familiar parables. It's the story of two sons. And the father. And the younger son, the younger son goes to his father. This is just a story. The younger son goes to the father. And he says, Dad, 
I want my inheritance now. I know you're not dead, but I want it now. And the thought is, that is so shameful. Son, you never tell your dad, I'd rather you be dead. But even though you're not, give me what's mine now. I consider you dead. That's terrible. I'm a dad. If my kids said that to me, I'd cry. But this is what happens in the story. And so the dad gives the son his inheritance. And the Bible says this. The son goes off to a faraway country. Right? Let me get this right. The son goes off to a faraway country. The father gives the son the inheritance. And and the son goes off to a faraway country. And uh, the younger son squanders his wealth with wild living. That's what the Bible says. Squanders his wealth. Wasteful, prodigal, wild living. What could be wild living? The older brother tells us a little bit later. But it's just wild, wild living, right? And, um, and then he spends everything that he has. And when he's penniless, the story goes, a famine strikes. And he's broke. He's got nothing. And he's, he's barely eking by. So what does he do? He sells himself to a foreigner there who raises pigs. And for Jews, that's the, the, that's the lowest of the low. And the job that he gets is that he has to go feed the pigs. And he's looking at the things that the pigs are eating and he's longing to fill his stomach with it. He's so hungry. And then, boop, he remembers, yeah. My dad, my dad's got servants who, <laughs> their life is better than mine right now. And, oh man, have I squandered everything. If I go back to my dad and say, Dad, I don't belong, I, I, don't, I don't belong in your house as a son. Just, just make me a servant and I'll be okay. He repents. He turns his heart back to his father. And the story goes that he makes his way home. He goes home. And while he's a ways off, his father sees his son. And his father's heart is so filled with joy that he runs to his younger son, embraces him. And he says, bring the robe, put it on my son, and get a ring, and stick it on his finger, and put sandals on these dirty, ugly feet. Because you're going to mess up the house. And kill the fattened calf, because we're going to party. My son, who was dead, is now alive. Woohoo! And everybody's cheering. And way out in the field is the older son. And he hears all this commotion. So he comes home and he gets close to the house and he sees a servant and he goes, Hey, hey, what's what's going on? And the servant's so excited. Your brother, he's come home, and your dad gave him a robe, put a ring on his finger, and sandals on his feet, because it was dirty and muddy and ugly, and, and see this he can't mess up the house now, which is so good. And we're going to throw a party. That's what's going on right now. Oh. So, this is what happens here. The conventional thinking is what you're thinking right now. That this son that's returned from far away has come home. This wasteful prodigal son. This wasteful son is the prodigal. That's what everybody thinks, right? And if you think that, I can totally see why. Because he's clearly wasteful. Some other people would say this. 
it's really not about the Son. It's about the Father, the loving Father, who makes room and space for a son that's gone astray. Right? So, instead of the prodigal son, this, this parable should really be called the loving Father. And if you think that, you think that, you're right as well too, right? Because it clearly talks about a loving father. But let's get back to the context here. Let's not forget that this parable is a rebuke. And the point that Jesus makes is to correct the faulty thinking of the Pharisees whose character is not the younger son and is not the father. In this story, the character of the Pharisees is the older brother. Right? Are you with me? It's the older brother. And he comes back and he sees what's going on. He hears the music. And and you know what the older brother does? He mutters and he complains. I can't believe my father is having a party for that sinner. Pretty much. Verse 15, chapter 15, verse 28 to 31. This is what it says. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this, air quotes, the son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, there's the wild living, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? For him? This almost makes me cry now. Listen to these words of grace to the older son. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. I wasn't expecting that to the older son, the one that was really meant to be portrayed as the Pharisee, the very people who tried to destroy the ministry of Jesus, who lied so that Jesus would get arrested and and, and betrayed Jesus. These are the same Pharisees that God knows that Jesus says to them from the Father, My son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. Church, could it be that the prodigal son in this story is the older brother? Right? Because in the first two parables that Jesus teaches, you find something that is unique in the third parable. And the story of the lost sheep, the shepherd goes out and searches for that sheep until he finds it and he brings it home. 
in the story of the lost coin, the woman sweeps the house, lights a, 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 a lamp, and searches and searches for that coin until she finds it. And there's great rejoicing. And in the parable of the lost son, when the younger son gets his inheritance and he goes off and squanders everything, where do you find the father? He's still at home. He does not go to find his younger son. It's not until the son comes to his senses and finds his way home. And when he almost gets home, the father sees him and goes, Oh, and he brings that son in. Do you know who the father goes to find? He goes to find the older son, doesn't he? When the older son says, What's going on? Your brothers come home. We're celebrating. I'm not going in there. So what does the father do? The father searches out his older son, the prodigal, the one that has everything but doesn't even realize it. And what a waste that is. The son who has everything but is still lost. Oh, Church, this is amazing. I mean, I don't, I've never seen this before. But the father searches out the older son. And grace is given to that muttering, pharisaic son who mutters, can't believe my dad's making this party for that sinner brother of mine. And the father comes to the older son and says, my son, everything I have is already yours. That's grace. So unexpected. Church, I didn't expect that. It's a totally new way for me to see the kingdom of God. This is a deep, deep grace that looks, that looks recklessly in giving of this generous love of God. When I read this, it almost makes me mutter. Really? Pharisees and teachers of the law, these self-righteous snobs, every one of them, because that's what they are, until that grace, that generous grace, is extended to me when I mutter those things as well. Today, as we close our day, the worship team is going to come back and sing that song, Reckless Love. Isn't that such a beautiful, beautiful message? When in the song it says that God still chases me down and fights till I'm found and he leaves the 99 to find me, the mutterer, you, when you mutter against people that, that may not be who you want them to be. Church, today, may you find yourself being the recipient, the unexpected recipient of this divine grace of God.
Would you bow your heads with me? Oh, Father in heaven, thank you for your illuminating word that challenges us, Lord, that challenges me. Because I'm no different from that Pharisee when I look at them and mutter and say, how could you, after all that you know, treat Jesus that way? And yet God extends grace to that Pharisee. And in that same way, he extends that grace to me. And Lord, thank you for the extension of the grace to each of us where we don't deserve it. Thank you, Lord God, for always chasing us down, fighting till we're found, leaving the 99. Oh, God, forgive us. Forgive us when we're proud. Forgive us when we're reckless. Forgive us, Lord God. And as you do, we pray your generous love covers us. In your name we